Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. And if you got your Bible, I'm going to go to John chapter 9. Oh, I promised the men some advice, didn't I? Things you should not buy your wife on Mother's Day. I learned it the hard way. Number one, don't buy anything that plugs in. Sweepers are out. They're just... Number two, don't buy clothing that involves sizes. Don't do that. Uh, number three, just back, avoid anything that's useful. If it's useful, don't buy it. Don't buy, don't buy silver polish. Number four, don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self-improvement. If you have, take it back. Uh, number five, don't buy jewelry because you can't afford the jewelry that she really, really wants. <laughs> number six, don't buy anything frilly. You didn't get it, but don't do it. And finally, don't spend too much because the next thing you're going to hear is how are we going to pay for that? So that's my advice for husbands on what not to buy your wife on Mother's Day. And if you have, repent, move quickly. Coles is on. <laughs> Never mind. Go to the Gospel of John. I, if I had my way this morning, I'd pre I would read chapter 9, 10, and 11. I'm going to preach about two men this morning. I'm going to preach about a formerly blind guy and a formerly dead guy. They, one used to be blind and one used to be dead and they met Jesus and they're not blind and they're not dead. And I, I'm going to preach about these formerly blind, formerly dead people. And I'm not talking about the person on your left. Or, never mind. I'm going to skip through the 10th chapter of John, but I'm going to preach all three chapters. John chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, say, just passing by. It, it really, it was just passing by. He saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, now understand, Jesus was passing by and his disciples brought to his attention the fact that he was blind and they wanted to know who caused it. Hmm. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Nobody, okay. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man will work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spit on the ground, made clay out of salva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Say, he came back. Hmm. Therefore, the neighbors of those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not the man who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, Well, he's kind of like him. And he said, I am he. Verse 25, because I will spare you the time. Verse 25, verse 9. 
chapter 9, verse 25. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, say it out loud with me, one thing I know. I once was blind, but now I see. And then skip real quickly to the uh, 38th verse. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Father, I pray this morning in these few short minutes that I have that you would speak through me the truth that would set people free. I pray this morning that their ears would be open to hear and that, Father, they would walk out of here knowing who you are in a greater and more personal way. In Jesus' name, amen. I love living. How many of you like living? I like living. I don't like just getting by. I like being fully alive, fully present. I, I mean, don't you just like it when life is just, I mean, if you do, it's probably why I do some of the things I do is I like feeling alive. I don't like feeling like, uh, come on, does anybody else, is there anybody else in here that's an adrenaline junkie? I, I, I kind of like that on the edge. In fact, if you're not going to live there, I don't know why you're here. I, I, I love feeling that complete aliveness. The older I get, uh, I have ministers, younger ministers, start asking me if there's anything I'd do different. And I'm, I think a lot, but, but they ask me this question, do you regret anything and I, uh, that you've done? And I said, no, I, I don't, I've repented over what I've done, but uh, how many of you repented? But I don't regret anything I've done. What I regret are the things I haven't done. What I regret are those opportunities that I missed. What I regret are those moments that I had to show kindness and maybe I didn't. Well, what I miss are those moments when I, I needed to have been more aware of who was present and I missed it. And I, I truly, truly live every day and, and now try to be more aware of those moments and those opportunities. I love this story. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories. Jesus was passing by a man that was born blind, and other people pointed him out. And, and to be born blind from birth means you would, if you're going to talk to someone who's never seen, think about how that cramps your style. You can't go, well, it's blue. Well, what the heck is blue? The guy doesn't know a blue sky or green grass. or uh, Well, it's like a horse. He doesn't know what a horse is. Think about how we communicate with people because we are both able to see the same things. But this man had no ability to imagine from the basis of what he has seen or experienced because he hasn't seen anything. He's born blind. You know how many people I think are born blind spiritually? Have no ability to see into the world of the spirit. You see, if, if we... If, if your imagination is limited to what you can see, then the verse we walk by faith and not by sight is lost on you. Because this man is born blind, had never been able to see physically, but we are born physically and unable to see spiritually. If you're really going to live, you've got to be able to see beyond this realm. So before you shut me down and say, well, I was born with sight and this doesn't Every one of us were born without the ability to see beyond what is visible. And we have to have Christ open up for us those things that can be seen that are relatively unknown in a world of sight. You see, this man had never seen anything. So if he was going to experience anything, someone had to 
There's very few people that are truly creative, truly have nothing in their context and are able to say light be and light exist. That, that's really starting from scratch. Have you, ever ate, have you ever ate from somebody who can cook from scratch? They, they don't use recipes. They just kind of open up the cupboard. Tana's that way. Tana just kind of opens up the cupboard. I have looked at her a couple times and said, this is really good. What's in it? She said, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? She said, well, you know, a little this, a little that. And mom was that way. A little, you never, you know, scratch. Most people can't do it from scratch. I, even if I have a recipe, I can't do it. <laughs> but, but this guy was born blind, meaning that he had nothing to go on. He had nothing to, and the Lord's going to heal him. And the people he's walking with, the disciples, their first question is, whose fault is it? Who sinned? Who's to blame? Now, listen, can I tell you that most disciples of the Lord today are still going, who's to blame? I think about 90% of the church, really, their first thought is, well, he must have done something wrong. He must, what did he do or they do for him to deserve this? See, if, if you think like that, you will never see miracles. Because miracles only come to people that deserve it, right? I mean, if you get what you deserve, then if you're blind, you must, are they something? I'm sorry. I just want you to understand that we live in a world that our first thought is who's to blame. Gas is high. Who's to blame, right? Come on. Isn't it bad enough that it's high without finding someone to blame? But disciples are big about it. Church people are big about, well, they did this and they, you know, they did that. And who's to blame? Here's this guy blind and they want to know, well, who sinned? Who, who, who caused this? What's the cause of this problem? What's the effects of that sin? But I love Christ when he says, no, 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 no. Nobody sinned. This is, this is about God revealing his plan. It doesn't really more, me, matter much that you were born blind or born with a stutter or born with this or that or the other. Whatever it is, God has a plan for you. Plans to do you good, not do you harm and bring you to an expected end. God has a plan. He'll, he'll take whatever you were born with and turn it around and use it to bring you into your highest and best and fullest potential. And this, what do you mean who's to blame? I want you to know that God uses all of this stuff to reveal his goodness to you. So that whenever you see something like that, please understand, God's going to work it together and reveal his glory. Who's to blame? No, 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 no. And yet, we live in a world where people are born blind. You and I were born blind. But, but God comes into that not to lay blame, but to use all those things to reveal his goodness, his generosity, his love. <laughs> I love the message Bible. I love Eugene. He, he says it like this. You're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such thing as cause and effect here. Look instead for what God can do. When you see something that you know is amiss, look instead, anticipate, see beyond that and understand what God's about to accomplish, the breakthrough that's about to take place in this reality of what's here. And isn't it interesting? The other people that have been living with him didn't recognize him. He comes back and they're going, well, you look familiar, but we don't, uh, we ought to, aren't you? Were you, you look like the guy that used to be blind. I just want to suggest to you that 
if God changes the way you see, others will never recognize you. If God can change the way you look at, if God can change your perspectives, if God can change the filters of the way you see other people, other people will never be able to recognize you again. I, listen, I can tell stories. If you change your, it's the hardest thing for us to do is to change the way we see, but if we change the way we see, we'll be seen differently. How many of you like to be seen in a different light? Seriously, how, how, how many of you, I get hurt when people see me in certain ways and I think, ah, I didn't intend, and the reality is, is the only way I can change the way people see me is for me to change the way I see other people. It, they didn't recognize, isn't this, and I love this guy because he says, it's me, it's me, really, it, it's me. I just, I just see differently now. And because I see differently, I, I, I behave differently. Maybe instead of trying to get people to behave differently, let's try to get their eyes opened. Oh, well, never, never mind. Have you ever had an experience and it changed everything? Have you ever met somebody and it just altered your life? I have to tell you, I met a young man by the name of Patrick and it changed my life today. 64 years and a couple of months, Patrick changed my life. I met Annie. She has completely scarred my life. I'm serious. I, 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 I'm, I'm forever fevered. I'll forever be ill. I, if I'm away from her, I'm wishing I was with her. You, you, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you've never met a human being that impacted you so strongly that it altered everything else in your life. This man met a man and it changed everything. It altered the way he lived. And I pray that you hear me this morning because I know a lot of people who claim to be believers but nothing's ever altered. And I, I'm just telling you that that's scary to me. It bothers me. The disciples are worried about who sinned. Jesus is concerned with his glory. Can I, can I go a little further? Just a little. And then you get the Pharisees. I'm telling you, let a revival break out and the Pharisees will show up. Let, let this happen and I got all kinds of advice. I'm telling you, let a miracle occur and the Pharisees will show up and the first thing they'll do you is tell you why it can't happen. You can't do that on Saturday. That's the Sabbath. You can't let a miracle take place like that. You can't let, did you know, you got a bunch of kids up here dancing and they're just running all over the place and you can't do that. That's out of order. <laughs> yeah, and you're dead. You're living in the rule. It's Saturday. You can't do that in the 21st century. That stopped in the 3rd century. <laughs> That's still going on today, right? There's still people nervous about coming here because you really believe that stuff happens. No, I don't believe it. The Pharisees show up and they know who sinned, Jesus. He's a sinner. How dare he think that he could heal somebody? He's the sinner. You see, Pharisees always make Jesus the sinner. See, if you meet Jesus, there's two responses. You either stone him or serve him. There's nothing in between. Oh, you'll get it. 
You either love him or you hate him. He's, can't, he's a saint. You can't heal on Saturday. You do understand that when Jesus shows up, he'll break his own rules. All of you that are concerned about keeping the rules, I just want you to know when Jesus showed up, he broke all of them. He broke all of them for you. He forgave you when you were supposed to be stoned. And because he forgave us, we stoned, relatively speaking. Jesus will break all of the rules. That'll, that'll upset somebody in here. To love you. To reach for you. So you, you got the disciples wanting to know who sinned. You got Jesus saying, no, it's in the plan. You got the Pharisees showing up saying, he sinned. And then you get the former blind guy. I like the former blind guy. The former blind guy goes, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether he's a bad guy, a good guy. I don't know whether he's a sinner. But I, there's one thing I know. One thing. Say with me, one thing. I know. I once was blind, but now he will never change. There's not some trumpet going to blow and then he hate you. There's not some day out there that he goes, okay, I've had enough of you human beings and I'm going to send half of you to hell. I got news for you. That's against his own word. I know some of you believe it because some idiots told you that. But the truth of the matter is his policy towards you will never change. He loves you. I know this morning I'm loved and I don't even have to explain it to you. I once was blind, now I see. I, once, I know what it is not to be loved. I know what it is to live in fear of God. <laughs> see with me, one thing I know. <laughs> I can see now. I can see clearly now the rain. Is, uh, it's too bad I can't sing. This guy wasn't trying to see. He wasn't standing over there repeating some verses. I'm having faith, I'm having faith, I'm having faith. I'm trying to see, I'm trying. No, he said, I, this, this is before he's a believer. He doesn't become a believer till the end of chapter nine. Right, listen, you don't become a believer and then know. You become a knower and then you believe. You have to experience. I gotta be careful here. I'll just get down right. Say, I'm a knower. I know I'm saved. Quite honestly, it's not how much you know, it's how well you know who you know. I, I, it's not how much, it's how well you know who it is you know. Now, my grandmama used to say, Dwayne, I know down here. I don't know where down here was, I, but she'd say down here in my knower. I, I used to say, could you show me? What is that? And then she'd make statements like, it just don't ring right. What did that mean? just don't ring right. Now today I go, uh, -uh that's off tune. See, down in your knower, I'm trying to challenge you this morning that if you come in contact with Jesus, you'll know it. Amen. You'll know it. No one talk you out of it. I, I'm, and if you don't believe me when I get done, you go over here, Grandma Cindy, and she'll help you. Yeah. She will. Now, fast forward. Let's just skim through John chapter 10. In, in, in John chapter 10, he goes, I have come that they may have life and have it more Say abundantly. He doesn't want you just to, he wants you to be fully alive. I mean, be, be so alive you wake up in the morning going, what do we get to do? Dragging through. Full. And then there's another little verse in there that says, no one can snatch you out of my hand. Man, I can live in John chapter 10. 
He came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. I know his purpose towards me. And guess what? No one mm -mm, can snatch me out of his hand. Now, fast forward. Fast forward. If you go to John chapter 11, it's this Lazarus, right? Now we're talking about this dead guy who doesn't stay dead. This formerly dead guy, Lazarus. How many know the story? Martha and Mary are all upset and Jesus shows up a little late and, and Jesus said, hey, 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 move the stone. I got some work to do. I've never been physically dead. Have any of you? If you have, I want to talk to you after service. And I've never known anybody that's really, I, I, I've never had the privilege of raising anybody back from the dead. I'm still waiting. But I know what it means to be spiritually crushed. I know what it means to be so worried and so afraid that I wished I could die. I know what it means to be so disappointed, so distressed that I didn't know how to enjoy. I felt like I was walking. Have, have many, everybody been that depressed? Okay, right. Formally. To be formally dead and then to be made alive, Paul writes. He made me alive. And I, I've often wondered why he made me alive. And Paul goes ahead there. I think it's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. And, and I love the way he says it in the Amplified. In order to satisfy his most wonderful and intense love. He made me alive because he loved me. He made this blind man see because he loved him. Contrary to pharisaical interpretation of the scriptures, God does everything because he is love and he loves you. And he may be just in your neighborhood passing by, but he's going to help you because he's the Lord that helps us. And we live in such a culture today that's arguing about who's to blame, what's to come, what someone did, can't do it on Saturday. We live in a culture that's so caught up in the performance of the past or the future or how good or bad you are that we're missing the miraculous manifestation of God because we don't know the one thing. One thing I know, Jesus loves me. This I know. Ah, the one thing, Lazarus is dead. I've never experienced that death, but I have experienced his voice. Amen. I have. In John 10, he said, my sheep know my voice. I have experienced that, and I, I've come to understand that he touches us, not because of any religious interpretation, but simply because he loves us. And then he goes on to say that you might know the immeasurable, unlimited unsurpassable kindness in the ages to come. In other words, he doesn't stop being unimaginable, insurmountable, uncomprehensible. Look at somebody and say, I'm loved. Incomprehensibly, immeasurably, above all you could ask, think, or imagine, in the ages, my future, the plan of God is to love me more and more and more and more and more and better and better and sweeter and sweeter. That ought to rip the rug out of some religious thing pretty quickly. If you know what your future is, it empowers you in the present. Yes. Oh, well. <laughs> See, my past is long gone. If I know this formerly blind guy, this formerly dead guy, 
who has an encounter with the Christ, an encounter with the love of God. (laughs) I think some people are still pretending to be dead because they don't want to embarrass anybody. I, I, I get it all the time. I don't understand, Pastor, why you get so loud. I don't understand how, why you jump and why you... Listen, because if you're blind and now you can see, you're, you're uh, emotional. If you knew you were spiritually dead, but you're no longer spiritually dead, and all of a sudden, instead of just seeing what can be seen with the naked eye, you're able to see this love, this grace, this mercy, this goodness that God has. I'm telling you, I am emotional. I've been emotional about it for almost 50 years because I can't. And I really don't understand the frozen chosen. I really don't. I really don't understand how hard people work to keep it under control. Listen, if you've been wrapped up with stuff and put on a shelf and you've begun to stink and all of a sudden you wake up, can I tell you what you ought to do? You ought to roll off that slab. You ought to roll out that door. You ought to move a finger. You ought to hop if you have to hop. But bless God, don't just lay there. And I know a lot of people who who know God has called their name and they're, they know they're not dead, but they're a little afraid that someone might make fun of them if they, if they decided to get out of the mess that someone put them in prematurely. Oh, well, I got to go find me an African-American church because <laughs> I'm a little tired. Never mind. See, see. See, if you know one thing, if you know you're not dead anymore, you need to move a finger. You need to do something that indicates, hey, 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 hey. I'm I'm not. In fact, they can't lose you until you jump out. Notice the sequence of events. Move the stone, but Lazarus had to do his own jumping. We'll move the stone. We'll move the thing. Listen, I've spent 40 years preaching against pharisaical religious people that kept the stone in front of people, didn't think they were worthy. Because that's what Pharisees will do. They'll, they'll block your way. Religious people will block your way. Grace people pull the stone out of the way. But you've got to do your own jumping. You've got to do your own rolling. You've you got, you got to get out here where someone can see you, and then Jesus will go, now then, let him go. See, our job is to move stones, and then when they get out here, we got to take the wrapping off. We got to. <laughs> Never mind. Can anybody shout in here? Can, can, there you go. Thank you. I, I'm feeling a little alone up here. I'm wondering if maybe I should have re preached a Mother's Day's message. I mean. <laughs> Many Christmas. Some of you are real disappointed that I didn't talk about Lois. Um, never mind. See, he calleth the dead. He quickeneth the dead. He likes talking to dead things. I'll say it again. If you're hearing God, it's because he's trying to get you come out of there. I've been spending the whole year talking about breakthrough. And listen, he's trying to get you to roll out. 
He's trying to get you just, just to move a little bit further. And I know you're waiting for us to come in there and uncover you, but I got news for you. You stink. Don't lay there. One thing I know, I once was blind. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. Anybody here know? Listen, I'm not insecure about my relationship with Jesus. I know that he loves me. I know that he forgave me. And I don't care what you religious people do. You are lying. He loves formerly blind people. He loves formerly dead in their trespasses and sin. But through the blood of Jesus, he forgave us. Wow. And he loves it when we wake up and go, hey, 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 hey. I'm going to get you. Some of you need to be gone. I know. I ain't debating it with you. I'm not trying to be saved. Don't go home and try to be saved because there ain't no way you can do it. Have you ever gone home and tried to love somebody? It won't work. You either know you're loved and the love that you've been loved with comes out naturally or you're faking it. <laughs> I could go somewhere. Uh, sit with me. I know. I ain't laying on this tomb. I ain't saying in here. I know. I know that I know that I know. And my favorite verse in the whole Bible is Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I desire, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I might behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. You see, once I kissed her, <laughs> once ain't going to be enough. <laughs> Some of you are so holy that you, you have forgotten how to be human. And can I tell you, Jesus didn't come to make you holy. He came to make you fully human. If he wanted you to be holy, he'd have stayed. But he became flesh so that he could make you fully human. Once I kissed her, once was not enough. Once he opened my eyes, Dale. Once he called me out of that shelf called death. Once was not enough. See, once you know that you know that Jesus' grace and his goodness, this is where Pharisees will lose their grip. They think the only way to keep you behaving is to keep threatening you. But see, once you've tasted the goodness of God, every fiber of my being has desire. I wake up every morning and just, just I, I have another desire and that's another day in his presence. See, because I know, I seek. Oh, you didn't. I, I'm telling you, if you miss that desire, you need to go back to the knowing part. If you miss that desire, you need to kick the Pharisees out of your life. And I'm very serious. I can't hang out with Pharisees anymore because they rob me of my desire. Because all of a sudden I become more conscious of what I should and shouldn't do rather than what he has already done. One thing I desire, say with me, one thing I know and one thing I desire 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may behold the beauty of God. See, beauty will save the world. The beauty of a one-sided love that comes when there's nothing you have to offer. That's beautiful. Comes to us when we're yet sinners. Comes to us not because we have anything to give, but because he can give it all. One thing I desire, and that will I seek. You see, once you know, then you make a choice. And I have to tell you, to choose Annie was to reject everything else. Boy, could I get bold. Some of you haven't figured that out. When I chose her, when I said yes to her, I said no to a lot of others. See, every choice, every yes defines the no. And, and, and if you're going to say yes to Jesus, it, it means no to a lot of other things. That's why I don't worry about keeping the rules, because when I said yes to her, <laughs> some of you have really messed up your life because you didn't know what yes and no means. Now, you're forgiven. God loves you. You're forgiven. But let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. It'll change your life. Not because of rules, but just because that's right. Oh, well. One thing I know, one thing I desire, and so I make a choice. And that choice is about letting go. And, and so, so Paul says, one thing I do, I forget the past. I go of the past. I reach, say one thing. See, one thing you know will lead to one thing you desire will lead to one thing that you do. Yesterday's over. It's gone. I can be awfully nostalgic. I can go back into my memories and be very nostalgic. And the older you get, the more there is. But let me tell you, you can't let your nostalgia determine your future. Because what's in front of you is more important than what's behind you. You have to, have to. Say with me, one thing I know. I will say it again. If you don't know that one thing, you need to go back to the beginning and repeat the process. One thing I know, I long, I pant for, I hunger for. I, listen, they start singing and I, I, I get, I, when they start singing about Jesus, I'm like, oh my God. I call on the God of Moses. Call on the God of Mary. Do it again. Kiss me with the kisses of thy mouth. Embrace me in the arms of a lover with one head under my one hand under my head and the other around my bosom. Read the book. The book is all about this intimate love affair. And he and this desire. And so all of a sudden every other love is gone. But this one. One thing I know, one thing I desire. <laughs> Martha, Martha. <laughs> Martha, Martha, you are worried. You are troubled. You're fussing. You're upset. You're pulled away by all kinds of distractions. But one thing is needed. One thing is necessary. 
One thing is important, and Mary has chosen that. The one thing needed, the one thing necessary. Martha's too busy needing to be needed. Martha's too busy performing, saying, look at me, I'm, I'm feeding you. Look at me, look what I'm doing. Martha's too distracted by her iPhone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> too distracted with, what's Putin gonna do? Can I tell you, last year was about, what's the pandemic gonna do? Can I tell you, next year it'll be about, what? Too distracted over, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by many things. You're worried. Remember last week? An open door was set before me, but I'm troubled in my mind. Every sermon for me is me trying to take you just a step. Martha, Martha, you're worried, fused, fussy. Have you ever been around fussy people? Fussy people, always fussing over. I, I just told someone, just in the last 24 hours, I said, let me stop by your house. I'll, I'll come to the house and I'll pray. And, and the conversation went. And pretty soon I realized, well, they just didn't want me to see the house. And I said, huh, you got to see mine. Most people are fussing, upset. Have you noticed? Everybody's upset, worried. But one thing, one thing, one thing is needed. Mary chose it. While Martha was busy fussing, Mary was just face to face. You see, Jesus can be present. But if you don't make yourself present, His presence is everywhere. He's omnipresent. In fact, the scriptures say, if you make your bed in Shoel, I will be there. That will throw fundamentalists out the room. He'll follow you all the way. One thing's needed. Be awake. Be present. I, I, it absolutely is nearly offensive to me. I have to forgive you when I'm talking to you and <laughs> don't come and ask me to counsel you and leave your phone on. In fact, I'm going to put a basket on the front desk now. And when you come in, <laughs> if you want to see pastor, you just put your basket your phone in the basket. Because I just can't. Does, doesn't it bother you when you're talking to somebody and they're going? Yeah. And you're looking. You think, no, 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 no. Right. Here. I mean, with my grandkids, I just want. If I feel like the way about my grandkids, you got nothing. I tolerate everything from. One thing is necessary. Be present. Focus on me. Focus on the Lord. Focus on how good God is. See, your focus will become your reality. You can either focus on all the distractions of this world or you can focus on Jesus. You can either focus on who's to blame or you can focus on Jesus. 
You can focus on the way that he was healed, or you can focus on Jesus. Your focus will become your rally. Don't you, don't you remember Karate Kid, your focus needs? All of my pop culture references are old. <laughs> Just telling you. If you're waiting for my pop culture current things, I got nothing. <laughs> my poor brain. See, the thing I regret the most in my life are the failures to be present. The failures, the missed opportunities that I had. See, Jesus physically isn't here, but he's there. He's with the person you're seated beside. Do it unto the least of these, my brethren, and thou hast done it unto be present to your spouse. Be present to your children. Heck, be present to the person in, in quick shop. Be, how, how are they ever going to know they're loved if you're not present to them? For I sent the Holy Spirit among you so that you would talk in tongues. Play again. So I sent the Holy Spirit among you so you could do miracles. Eh. Play again. So I sent the Holy Spirit to you that he might shed abroad in your hearts the love. One thing I desire to find him, that means I have to desire to love you. One thing I have to forget is all those people that never loved me back. I have to let go. I have to let go. And I have to do the one thing necessary. Focus on him. Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. And can I tell you, my greatest religious experiences are not in this room. I love you. But my greatest religious experiences are when I'm present to somebody in a really personal way. My greatest moments in this room is when I can be this vulnerable to 400 people. And you can feel that too. That's when you feel most assured and at home is when someone's vulnerable, open. We want to change the world? Let's be present. Let's live in the power of the present moment in the power of the one thing. I know he loves me. I desire only one thing. One thing I do, I forget that. Only one thing's needed. You see, real breakthrough, real breakthrough, is not breaking out of this moment, but breaking into it. Paul said, I know how to be both a base and a bound. Paul said, I, I know how to live in prison and live out. Real breakthrough is not about breaking out of the moment, but breaking into this moment and finding the grace and the mercy that is here right now.
this is good. If you're seated by someone you love, just tell them this morning, I appreciate being with you. Amen. Well, that's it. I used to preach then to get you to do something. Seriously, I was taught to preach something, get you to do something. Now that I preach, go be that. Just go be that. Go live that. Right? Just. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.